morning, guys. I was asked yesterday by an acquaintance if I could talk about business plans. Uh, this guy said that he was feeling like he needed to do a business plan and that that was what was holding him back. And I told him I'd gather my thoughts on the subject and talk about it, so here goes. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to title this yet, but I think I'm going to title it something like You Don't Need a Business Plan. Because that's at the heart of what I think. Let me tell you my own story, uh, the only time I've ever written a business plan. When we took over our Christmas tree farm, my wife and I decided to take a business uh, planning course specifically for farmers. That was being offered by the ag department, the state ag department nearby. And we took this six-week course or whatever it was, a couple evenings a week. And it walked us through all the different parts. And we wrote a business plan. And I have to say, with the exception of one thing that I learned... We didn't use a single damn thing from that business plan, nor did our business work out the way that the business plan envisioned, nor did uh, any of the things that we learned in that business plan become something that felt important. The one thing that we did learn, excuse me, that I feel like was valuable was the idea of making your presentation of your business consistent across all the ways that people would find you. And even that, I feel like, has been mm, only somewhat helpful. For something like a Christmas tree farm, or a farm where you have a physical place that you're asking people to come to, the whole point was that your signage should all be consistent. Your brochure should be consistent with your signage. Your business card should be consistent with all of that. Your website should look similar. I think that's a good point. But I think depending on what you're doing, it's kind of a moot point. Here's what I think matters. First, you got to figure out what your you got to figure out what array of things you could possibly try. And you need to brainstorm a list of a number of things that you are interested in trying to do or sell. And it shouldn't just be objects, it should be services, it should be across a, it should be in-person, it should be digital, it should be, um, you know, so for for me, for example, I have, I started out very narrowly with spoon carving. Spoon carving was just one of several ways that I was trying to make a living. And I thought of 
the spoon carving is very narrow. Just I am carving spoons. People will want to buy them. And over time, I think why I've been successful making a living at it has not been because I have sold enough spoons to make a living at it. I don't think, well, I think hardly anyone does that and it's extremely hard on your body. I think what I figured out is ways of taking my spoon carving and creating some financial arbitrage out of it in various ways, whether that's teaching or uh, the tools that I sell or the blanks is really the big one. And while that was happening, I just did a, an episode about this. While all that was happening, while I was figuring that out, piece by piece, <clears throat> I was also throwing other stuff at the wall. So for a while I had a scything business where I would teach people how to scythe and I would make scythe handles for people and I would go to people's properties and scythe their properties for them. I also had a gardening consultation business where I would go and look at people's gardens with them and help them think about what they could do. I would analyze their soil test results for them and help them figure out what they needed to buy and how to blend it to optimize their soil fertility. <clears throat> I was looking into doing trail work for a living. I was looking into writing magazine articles for a living. I was working at a local farm and thinking about that and other farm opportunities that I could do for a living. I was trying all sorts of stuff. And the spoons is just what stuck. It's what seemed to have the most potential. So I think when you're figuring out your business plan, you need to <clears throat> brainstorm a list of all the things that you could try and then seriously try them. If you are starting a business that is mm, that has some obvious name, like the Pure Pan Christmas Tree Farm, by all means, call it a thing. Call it that obvious thing. If you're starting, I don't know, an excavating business, feel free to call it your last name, excavating. Those <clears throat> tropes, those patterns, are really helpful for people. If you call it something else, it's highly likely that people are just gonna call it your last name and excavating anyways, because that's what our society does. And you're just making it harder for yourself. So to some extent, I believe in bowing to people's expectations that there be some name associated with the business. But as with this guy, if you're just if you're just a guy making spoons or spoon blanks, and I've talked about this before, I think it really makes sense to just present yourself to the world as yourself, as your name. There are so many benefits. You don't want to require people to recognize that whatever name or handle you've chosen is associated with you. And then you're asking them to memorize two things. 
to remember two things, your name and your business name. That's ridiculous. You want people to be invested in you as a person. I could go on, but if you want more on this, go find one of the many episodes where I've talked about why I think it's valuable to do business under your own name. Next, you got to figure out what your unfair advantage is. I've done episodes about this as well. you got to figure out what is your thing that you have easier than other people that, that will give you an edge over anyone else trying to do the thing. For me with spoon blanks, it's because I have access to a lot of wood. And at this point, it's because I was first. Now that combination is not going to be somebody else's combination because they're not going to be first. But they can have access to a lot of wood and they can have a shorter waiting list than I do. That's an unfair advantage. So they can get stuff to people sooner. They can get stuff to people now. I can't get stuff to people until five months from now. So, figure out what your unfair advantage is. Maybe your unfair advantage is You live in a city, and you have access to millions of people, and if you go to a market, if that's even possible right now, then uh, you have a lot more eyeballs. Or maybe you live in a city, and that just gives your photography an edginess, an urbanness to it that is appealing to city people. Or maybe your unfair advantage is that you're young and you don't have kids to support and your living expenses are almost nothing and you can work your face off. That's an advantage too. So, you gotta throw mud at the wall. I highly recommend you do business as yourself. You gotta figure out what your unfair advantage is. And you need to be constantly adapting and trying things. This was one of the, my biggest beefs with the business plan. When I realized that the whole point of the business plan is you make the plan. And they said, okay, great. Now, every three months, I want you to revisit the plan and adjust it, adapt it to the reality of now. I thought, really? Like, what the heck? What did we just do all this for? And what I'm realizing now is that that attitude is completely right. The thing that I was bothered by was the idea of wasting all that effort making a business plan that wasn't going to stick around. The part about everything changing all the time is completely true. And I think it's crucial that we are constantly trying new things, adapting, presenting new projects to people, finding new ways of getting people's attention and Uh, retaining their attention. And that leads me to another point about the business plan, which is that there's got to be some part of the business plan where you give back, where you are giving more than you're taking. 
There's got to be a part of the business plan where you are sharing what you know, or you are creating something funny, or you are in some way giving something valuable to people for free. And having a a culture with yourself of always doing that generous thing will lead to business coming to you. And so whenever I'm thinking of a new project or a new thing, I'm always thinking, how can I make it more generous? Right? How can I make it better? And what can I contribute to the culture? And finally, one of the reasons I don't like a business plan is because if you're a perfectionist, then it solidifies all of your perfectionist tendencies. Right? It makes you feel like, oh, well, it's not done yet, so I can't start. Or I don't even have a business plan, so I can't start. When the point is, you start, and then you just keep going. And to that end, far more important than having a plan is having a habit. Having a discipline of doing whatever it is you decide to do and doing it every day. If I had to choose one thing to have people do every day to help their career of working for themselves making something, it would be to post on social media several times a day, every single day, and to be very thoughtful about what they're posting and why and the balance and how it comes across and all of that. But that action of posting several times a day is going to have a far greater impact on people finding you and asking you for your work than anything else. And finally, when it comes to a business plan, I think it's important to be thoughtful about your price. I think you need to understand what your long-term goal is and have a plan of how to get there. And It's easy to look at somebody talking about their price and forget that they're talking about their price as in where they are right now. And in general, this means that they're charging a higher price than you, with no eyeballs to your name, can charge. And if you try charging the same price as them, you're going to fail. Because you just won't have the demand. Hey, dogs. Come on. Um, and so a a strategy that I highly recommend that I've used in all three of my businesses to great effect is to start low and slowly increase your price as your demand increases. There's almost... You almost can't start too low, is what I would say. Like, if I was, if I was, if I, and also you can always lower your price. If demand is not what you want at a certain price, don't feel like you're stuck. So here's a strategy, for instance. If I had all the time on my hands and no, no customers, now I was making spoon blanks, right? I had all this wood. I would say, 
I would try something like, hey, from now until December 25th, anyone who orders spoon blanks from me will get a free spoon. Or I'm giving away spoon blanks between now and December. Right? I would go as low as that. I would go as low as I am giving away my thing for now. You want some sense of urgency, so maybe put an end date on it. But I'd say, you know, for right now, I'm giving away spoon blanks. I won't be in January. If you'd like some free spoon blanks, let me know. And then you get five people who take you up on it. And then you make them the best possible spoon blanks you possibly can. And you make the experience as good as you possibly can. And you make yourself easy to communicate with. You're swift in replying. You're responsive to their needs. And you give them something. And I guarantee one out of that five is going to come back. And that's how you get the ball rolling. Sometimes you don't have to do that. Sometimes you can say, hey, I'm offering spoon blanks and the world wants what you're offering bad enough that it'll take it at your initial price. But remember, you can always go as low as giving it away for free. And I think people forget that what makes a business work over time is increasing demand, allowing you to increase your prices, even as you increase your productivity. That's how you get that, not exponential, but steep growth rate in the amount of profit coming in. And instead, people think of it as a fixed thing. I certainly did when I started out, where you're thinking, okay, if I can sell this many things at this price, that means I'll make this amount of money. And then you sit back feeling pleased with yourself as though having the plan in place means that it's actually going to happen that way. And in my experience, it never happens that way. You start off with nothing. You start off with your time being worth nothing. And by leveraging the ability to have your time be worth nothing, you end up in a place where your time is worth a lot. And you can leverage that time for real money. But you don't get there by skipping the first bit. And almost nobody wants to go through that first bit. Sometimes people try to skip this by starting a store where they sell other people's things. And then essentially what they're trying to do is use the hype of other people's reputations to leapfrog past this bit where they have to essentially put up a lot of money, whether in their time or in shelling out for other people's work, for then almost no money in return. But that's not how any business that I know of works. And this is why having a business is different than having a job. You start a job, you get paid, even when you don't have experience. You start a business, you probably aren't going to get paid while you have no experience. You're probably going to do a lot for no money or even debt while you build up that experience. And it's crucial that you have that long-term vision in place. Because if you start a business with super high prices, and no one bites and no one bites and no one bites then you're doing all that work for nothing, for nothing. Whereas if you start your business with, with low prices and no one bites and no one bites, but then someone bites and it still maybe isn't worth your time in the grand scheme of how you hope things are going to work out, 
but you take the money and you do the work and you take the money and you do the work and you take the money and you do the work and as demand increases you increase your prices that's how you end up in a different place that's how you end up in a different place in six months or a year from now I think it's really helpful if you can maintain a relatively high profit margin on whatever it is that you're doing I just learned recently that this is one of the things that Warren Buffett looks for when he is thinking about investing in a business. And I'm sure that his actual parameters are different than what I'm describing, but he looks for, in part, for a business that has a high profit margin. One of the reasons you want a high profit margin is that with a relatively high profit margin, whatever that means to you, for some people it would mean, you know, I don't know, 5%. For other people it would mean 95%. just depends on what you're thinking. The higher your profit margin the clearer it is whether it's working or not. Because if you get one sale with a 95% profit margin, well, then you've made 95% of that money in your pocket. Whereas the lower your profit margin is, the higher volume you need to achieve in order to have money in your pocket. And the easier it is to tip into the red and not quite realize it. And then all of a sudden you've dug yourself a big hole. This is how low profit margin businesses like restaurants or stores for that matter get into trouble. Is It is easy to spend money and when you can't control how the money comes in and it's a low profit margin, it is very easy to have your fixed costs overwhelm the money that actually comes in. And then you end up losing money. So you want a situation where you have a high profit margin. And you know one of the th- ways to keep your profit margin high is to work from home. And to work by yourself, for yourself. And to have it be something where your materials cost is fairly low. So this is why spoon carving is so great. Because the material is generally free or low cost to get. Versus something like leather work, where the material is actually quite high. There was one other thought I had. What was it? Oh, yes. Here's the other part of any business plan that you need to have in your head. And even while I think that it's silly to write down a business plan, I think this is an expectation you need to have in your head. If you want your thing to work out... You need to commit to doing it from now into the foreseeable future. If you don't give yourself that almost infinite runway, then any of your expectations for your business are going to be unmet. If seven years ago, when I started selling spoons, I thought, well, I want to make my living selling spoons and I'm going to give it six months and if it doesn't work out, great. And then I definitely wouldn't have ended up where I am today. Because that first year I sold spoons, I made $300. The next year I sold spoons, I made $600. The next year I made $1,200. The next year I made $3,000, but barely. And on and on and on. And this year I'm hoping to make thirty dollars to $40,000. I've yet to do my taxes, so I don't exactly know. And that's just from the spoons, not from the Christmas tree farm. 
but I would never have gotten to a place where I was running that kind of volume and making that kind of profit if I hadn't if I hadn't put in the work and thought of it as a long, long, long term thing that I was doing. Now, obviously, if you start out and you can't make whatever $30,000 in that first year, then you're going to need to find some other way of making a living while you're doing this other thing. Yes, that is true. And I would say my life has been a testament to that. Right When I was starting out the spoon carving for a long time, this Christmas tree farm subsidized or made possible the fact that I was spoon carving, the fact that we had this other business that was pulling in 20000 25000 a year. But I was still scraping up whatever other money I could from other places. And while, this, while the Christmas tree farm was only making us, the first year I think we had the Christmas tree farm, I think it only made us three to 5000 because we were paying so much in in a high percentage, like sliding percentage rent to our landlord that went down each year. But that first year, I think, you know, we paid him something like $20,000 and we made $5,000. And then the next year, I think we made $8,000 or something like that. So for the first bunch of years of that, I was working other jobs. So I think you need to recognize that if you want to build up a business doing something, a business plan isn't going to get you there. It's sustained effort over time that gets you there. And the experimentation and the deliberate work, not just the work doing your thing, but the work promoting yourself doing your thing, that's going to get you there. And while there are some people who can immediately turn around and their business takes off, boom, like that, I actually don't know of one in the spoon carving scene that's managed to do that. Everyone I know who is making a real living, like supporting a family, supporting a mortgage, doing it, built it up over the course of years. And while they were building it up over the course of years, they had to support themselves doing some other thing. So that's your business plan. I know it's stark, I know it's bleak, but I also think it's really doable. And I think it's realistic. And I think any of you guys can do this, but you've got to put in the work. And no amount of writing down a plan is going to substitute for putting in the work. So go do it. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk tomorrow.